the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hi, everybody. Good afternoon. Welcome back. Pastor Scott Show, Hour 2. We're on every day from 3 to 5. Always good to be with you. The number is 888-528-2557. It is September 11th, and uh, we're remembering that today. Um, But I want to take a minute and kind of move away from the tragedy that is September 11th. The atrocity really is what it was, but many people suffered tragedy because of that day. But I also want us to remember that there are victories in our life, too. And and some of the days that we will always remember are days of victory, are days where God uh, does something that isn't, you know, allows something to happen in our life that is a, is a victory. And I'm reminded of this because uh, a young woman, she's 19, she won the U.S. Open this weekend. Her name is Coco Goff. And she's made a lot of news, not just because she won, but something interesting happened on TV. She's a Christian. She loves Jesus. I'm going to let you hear uh, her interview after her victory. But there is a video of her on television where after she wins, she takes a moment to go over uh, to the bench, you know, right by uh, the court, and she prays. Now, she gets down on her knees. She is on her knees. She's got her hands folded, right? It's very, whatever cliche you might say of how a person prays, she's doing that. Her hands are folded. She is on her knees. She has her hands, her folded hands up against her forehead. She is clearly praying. She is clearly kneeling before God, okay? And it's a wonderful moment. She's giving thanks to God. And we know that. We know that that's what's happening. It's clear that that's what's happening. And... Sports Center, ESPN Sports Center. A lot of you wouldn't know that because you can't get Sports Center right now because uh, because Disney is squabbling with your cable company and a whole other issue. And uh, so uh, Disney networks like ESPN you don't get, uh, and you're not missing a lot, honestly. Anyway, on their Twitter machine, their X, I guess it's called, they said Coco Goff took a moment to soak it all in after winning her first Grand, Sl- Grand Slam title, and. The the picture is, and it's a video there, and what she's doing is she is praying. Well, many people jumped on this, including Tony Dungy. You know, he is he is a Christian and a, and former NFL coach. He's an author. He's got a great testimony. He and his wife have great ministry now. He's super well-respected, and he is a sports commentator uh, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. He tweets this. He says, I hate to break it to you, Sports Center, but Coco Goff was not, quote, soaking it all in at this moment. She was praying. She has been very open about her Christian faith in the past, and it seems pretty obvious what she's doing here. And that's true. And, you know, people people jump in. You know, we should not be afraid to acknowledge that somebody is praying and thanking God, even if you don't don't believe, like I would suppose the people at Sports Center, But the, the feeling of it, maybe they do, but the feeling of it is that they were afraid to say she's praying. They were afraid to point this out. Maybe people will turn us off. No one can watch you right now anyway, but maybe people won't like us if uh, uh, we say that she's praying. She's obviously praying. She could have been in church. Uh, and it's a 
we should not be afraid of that. You know, something about September 11th is that we pushed all that aside, right? We have we talked last hour about the the cross at the World Trade Center and how it's in the memorial, and the and some atheist group tried to sue, and they were told to go pound sand by the court. I think that's what the court decided. They were told to go because it was so meaningful. Now this is a young woman who is who loves Jesus, who's got a great story, and she's praying. And I listened to her interview after winning this tournament. It's her first victory in a, a major tournament. And uh, I, want to, I want to play some of that for you because I think that you'll be inspired by it because not only do we turn to God or ought we turn to God in our tragedies and in sadness and in fear, I think that's when we tend to do that, right? We, we resort to God, but we also need to do it in our times of victory. And, and listen to what she says in her interview with uh, right before getting her trophy. Coco, you burst onto the scene about four years ago. A lot of expectations on your shoulders. What does it mean to win your first Grand Slam title on home soil? Oh, my goodness. Uh... (laughs) It means so much to me. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit in shock in this moment. Um, You know, that French Open loss was a heartbreak. For me, um, but I realized, you know, God puts you through tribulations and trials, and this makes this moment even more sweeter than I can imagine. Now she was talking about she had taken a loss recently, and you know it's a setback. Now we're we're not talking about the type of loss that we would be talking about at September 11th or the tragedies that people have, but all of you, all of us have have things that we're pursuing, things that we want to accomplish, things that we work hard, and we pray about that. We we ask God for His provision for that. Now, I want you to hear what she says here about this, because now she's going to be asked. She brought God into the conversation right away and said, you know, he sends us these trials in our life or our setbacks and tribulations for a reason. Now, listen to what she says. We saw you say a prayer. Get on your knees. You have a lot of faith. How important- they knew she was praying, by the way. Uh, Sports Center didn't know Gordon, she was praying, but uh, she clearly did. We saw you say a prayer, get on your knees, you have a lot of faith. How important has that been through this journey for you? Oh, it's been so important. Um, You know, I don't pray for results. I just ask that, you know, I get the strength to give it my all. Did you hear that? I loved that. I thought that was pretty good. She said, you know, I'm not praying for results. I mean, I'm not praying that I win. I'm praying that I can give it my all. For results, I just ask that, you know, I get the strength to give it my all and whatever happens, happens. I'm so blessed in this life. So I'm just thankful for this moment. Like, I don't have any words for it, to be honest. You know, I, I just I just loved that. And I think for all of us, when we pray for God to do things, and I think it's okay, by the way, I think it is okay to ask God for, you know, that you'll be able to do well, which would lead to success in whatever it is you're doing. But you've got to leave the actual success to God in the sense of God is going to use what you're doing for his purposes. His purposes are to get people saved, right? My my firm belief is that God's purpose for Coco Goff and leading her to win this championship isn't for her own benefit. God's actual purposes is that she will be placed into a world just like this where she will give her testimony, that she is, you know, obedient to God here. And who knows what young woman or any person who's listening to her is going to say, well, wait a minute, she's just won the U.S. Open. She, it's such an exciting thing. And she's giving glory to God. What? She's talking about her faith. And she is saying, I don't pray for results. I pray 
um, for, you know, that I can do my best. I thought that's a great thing to pray for, for all of us in our life, whatever you do. All you can do is the best you can do. So we tell our kids with their homework, you know, uh, do I hope they get good grades? Absolutely. But what I really hope is that they do their best, right? That's what you want is you don't want people who are just all about something else. And I don't want to miss that part of her testimony for all of us, because in the in the course of victory, you know, to put it in the right perspective matters. You know, God's because I think a lot of us aren't Christians today. Some of us listening, maybe we're we struggle with God or we left the church. And the reason we did is because God didn't work out for us. We prayed for something, we asked for something, and it didn't happen. We didn't get it, or I I was not successful uh, from an earthly standpoint. I didn't win the tournament. I didn't get the job. I didn't get into that school. Um, I wasn't healed of my cancer. I, you know, and there are lots of people who say, I left the church because God wasn't working for me. That's the wrong attitude towards God. And what I really liked about her is that she understood this. She understood, hey, you know, success is great. And of course, she loves it. And she's going to thank everybody here in just a minute. Um, but she understands that what she was asking God for is to do her best. And if she lost, she lost. And, you know, she would have been heartbroken, but uh, those things happen. And she had just suffered a loss previously. Do you, do you understand the difference there? That God's plan for us is not necessarily our own success in our field. God's plan for us you know, or with our family or with our, God's plan for us is that he can use our gifts to further his kingdom. That's his plan. And he can do that just as well by winning and losing or success or non-success from an earthly standpoint. And when we pray, we should pray, I think, in many ways. We can ask God for victory. I, for sure, I've asked God for victory. I think you can do that. But to ask God that I give it my best, give me the strength to do it my best, I love that. Uh, this is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. I know it's September 11th. We've been talking about that. We'll come back to that here in a minute. But in the course of talking about tragedy, I think it's important that we look at victory because it's easier to turn to God, I think, in the course of tragedy. Um, sometimes we go through life and things get so bad, we finally resort to God, right? But how do you deal with God when things are going well for you, when you have a victory? And I think she gave us a great example. This is Coco Goff. She is the U.S. Open Women's Champion this week, and uh, she gave a good testimony. The next thing she does is she thanks people. And I want you to hear this, too, because I I just enjoyed this. Well, thank you first to my parents. Uh, Today was the first time I've ever seen my dad cry. <laughs> he doesn't want me to tell you all that. Now they go, they clip to, if you watch the video, they clip to showing him. And you can see him. He's like waving his hand saying, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. <laughs> and she laughs. But she's giving God, she's giving thanks. She had given God thanks before. She's giving thanks to her family, and in particular here, her dad. And he was emotional. Listen to what, how she uh, describes it. I've ever seen my dad cry. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't want me to tell you all that. But he got caught in 4K. He got caught in 4K. Uh, what that means is, if you're still watching an old Xena television, that uh, in super high definition uh, television, you could see he was crying. You could see that he was emotional. It's a great moment. Afterwards, she goes into the stands and gives him a big hug. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> you know, he thinks he's a, he thinks he's so hard, but. You know, it's not. So thank you guys. I mean, you believed in me from the beginning. I've been coming to this tournament. My dad took me to this tournament, sitting right there watching Venus and Serena compete. So it's really incredible to be on this stage. 
he loves his daughter and he has invested in her. You know, these things matter. And they, the story is, is that they pray together before every tournament, that they're, he makes sure that he's raising her as a good athlete, of course, and doing those things and bringing her to watch uh, Venus and Serena when she was a kid and inspiring her that way. But he makes sure that she's walking with the Lord. And I think that is shown here. Uh, she continues to uh, thank others. Listen to this. And I want to thank my grandparents who are home and my brothers. Uh, I could FaceTime my brother right after, but he didn't answer. Um, but then he called, <laughs> and then he called me later. Uh, but I had to go. So thank you to those who are watching. I that made me laugh. If you got brothers or sisters, you know, she's giving him a little jab there, but it's friendly, right? It's uh, I FaceTimed him, but he didn't answer. Well, he called later. You know what? I want you to hear this, too, about the importance of family, because we live in a time where family is being attacked. It really it's literally being attacked. And here you have the U.S. Open champion who's given credit to her dad, to her grandparents, to her brothers, uh, to her family. Other parts of this interview, she gives thanks to her whole team. And they're all sitting there. And, you know, we live in this time where we are trying to say that dads don't matter or that moms don't matter, or it doesn't matter to have, you know, a mom and a dad. We're we're taking away even the definitions of those things, especially moms. Uh, she's just your birthing parent. And we're doing that because of other political agendas. But even behind that agenda is an agenda to tear apart the family um, with the notion, this is taught in our universities now, this is taught in your gender studies classes, and this has been taught before in, your, uh, in other coursework in philosophy, the, and it's Marxism is what it is. And I don't say that term lightly. You know, I was, I don't like it when we just call people communists or Marxists or fascists or whatever. Most of the time we don't know what that word means. But there is an element of this, uh, what truly is actual Marxism, which part of it is you blame the family. That part of the philosophy is, is that the reason we have so much separation of rich and, and poor and division in other part is they blame, Marx blamed the family. And Engels and some other people who are his contemporaries, they blamed the nuclear family, mother and father and children living together and having a connection with your grandparents and stuff. When you hear her talk, do you feel like that family is bad? This is the way it ought to be. I mean, this is a way where some of us are hearing this and we feel bad because we don't have that. If you're if you're feeling bad that you don't have the same relationship, you're, you're in great company because many people don't. But don't miss the fact that you feel bad because it's right. We live in a fallen world. We are all messed up. We have stuff that's not right. But the right way of things is that you've got a mother and a father who are taking care of their kids and raising them upright. And here you have an example of somebody who is thanking her parents, her grandparents. She's got a relationship with her brother and her family. And she is also expressing gratitude, which we always should do, right? That's how you complete a transaction. That's right. When you, you you say to your kids, you know, when somebody does something for them, you say, what do you say? You say, you're telling them that because they, they owe a debt of gratitude. They've got to pay it. And you say, thank you. And she does this. And I also appreciated this. Listen to who she thanks here. Honestly, thank you to the people who didn't believe in me. Um, I mean. See, I don't think she's being 
you know, she's having fun. I don't think she's being negative here. She's going to give thanks to the people who are her detractors, who said that she could never win, who said that she could never get to this point. She's giving thanks to them for a reason. Honestly, thank you to the people who didn't believe in me. Um, I mean, like a month ago, I won a 500 title and people said I would stop at that. Uh, two weeks ago, I won a thousand title, and people were saying that was the biggest it was going to get. Um, so three we like three weeks later, I'm here with this trophy right now. Um, so the. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty cool. You've ever had detractors in your life tell you you can't do it? Feels it feels bad. On the other hand, it can be very inspiring. And you know, if you have a good attitude, an attitude is so much about everything, right? If your attitude is for those people who tell you that you can't do it, and she's already established in this conversation, this is, if you're just listening, this is the Pastor Scott Show. I'm going through a uh, interview with Coco Goff. She is 19 years old. She's the winner of the U.S. Open, Women's U.S. Open this weekend. And uh, we'll talk about 9-11 again here in just a few moments, but I don't want to talk about the tragedies in life without talking about the victories and how important it is to seek God even in our best times and to have a correct attitude and a correct theology. And she's showing us this in so many ways. You know, the people who tear us down, we can look at them and get angry or mean, or we can love them as Jesus did and love our enemies and not even make them enemies, I think, in this point and say, you know what, if God wants me to succeed here, then I'm going to. I'm just going to do my best. You know, I've tried my best to carry this with grace, and I've been doing my best. So, honestly, to those who thought we're who we, those who thought who were putting water on my fire, you're really adding gas to it. And now I'm really burning so bright right now. That anyway, that I just thought that was inspiring. And you know, for for all of us, you know, we're going to go through ups and downs, and God's a part of all of it. it God is a part of the worst moments that we have in our life. God is part of the the best moments we have in our life. I used to think that it was odd or maybe a waste of time for athletes, for example, to thank God for winning or thank God for, I just hit a home run, right? Sometimes you'll see a baseball player, they go around the bases and you know then they hit home plate and they'll pat their chest and point to the sky. Sometimes what they're doing is they're pointing to you know, they're remembering their dad or somebody who's passed away, and that's kind of their their memorial to them. But often they're thanking God, and they'll get on the mic afterward, and, oh, thank God I won the Super Bowl. Well, what does God care about the Super Bowl, I used to think? And I think in a lot of contexts, yeah, there's obviously things that are much more important than all of that. But here's the thing about God, and don't miss this in, in your life, and I try to remember this in my life, is that God is always there, and he has an infinite amount of time for you. Infinite. Meaning that to thank God for the small things, to thank God for the home runs or the the raises we get or a good day at work, or to thank God that I didn't get in that accident, or to thank God that he provided this thing, or however big or small it is, is worth the time because God has that time for you. I don't know if you see God that way, but we need to. Because I think sometimes we don't think that God has enough time for us. Or we think that, you know, God's doing something here with Coco Groff. She just won the U.S. Open and she put her testimony out all over the Internet. And uh, she she prayed on TV and SportsCenter got it wrong. And Tony Dungy said, hey, SportsCenter, you guys are got it wrong. Uh, she's praying. You know, look at how God has used her. How amazing. Well, it is amazing. But you know what? 
God is using you right now in the lives of the people around you. And you're probably not going to be on television and you're probably not going to be seen too often, you know, in, in any, you know, you're probably not going to be talked about or written about one day, most of us, right? So what? God has the same amount of infinite space for you and the things going on in your life that he does for Coco Graf. God cares about every moment in your life. Scriptures tell us that he knows the number of hairs on your head, or for some of us, the number of hairs we used to have on our head. He knows that. That's how intimate he is. So the big things in life, the small things in life, acknowledge God. Take that time to pray and give thanks in victory and in defeat, in in victory and in loss, in tragedy and in triumph, all of it. The Lord is present in your life. In all of it, God wants you to know that he is with you. As we talk about uh, 9-11, and I'll come back here for your stories if you want to call and just talk about that day, every part of your life, the Lord is with you. And he was with people on that day, just as he is uh, with Coco Graf and people who have given their testimony in, in these times of, of being a champion. That's true for you, too. Do you trust the Lord that way? Do you understand this, that God wants to be with you? I think that's a, a wonderful thing about our God, is that he isn't just asking you to believe in him and receive salvation. He is asking that. But he also wants you to know that he is with you, that he wants to be with you through every single part of it. And that's what we need to do as a church, is as the body of Christ, we are to be with people. We are to mourn with people who mourn, and we are to uh, celebrate with those who celebrate and be with each other through all of those things. All right, this is the Pastor Scott Show, and uh, it is uh, September 11th. We are remembering that. If you've got a story you want to tell uh, about where you were, you can give me a call. Or I'm real curious if you're listening and you're younger, say you're under 30 or maybe you're under you're 25 or younger, what do you think of it? You didn't experience it. You you weren't there. This is old. Old. This is like something that happened maybe before you were born. Coco Graf was not born when 9-11 happened. You know, what do you think? How do you respond to this? 888-528-2557. You can call now, 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show, Monday edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Good evening. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. The victims were in airplanes or in their offices, secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers, moms and dads, friends and neighbors. Thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. The pictures of airplanes flying into buildings, fires burning, huge, huge structures collapsing, have filled us with disbelief terrible sadness, and a quiet, unyielding anger. 
That was President George W. Bush on uh, September 11th, 2001, and today's the 22nd anniversary of that day, and so we've been talking about that. What's your story? You have a story to tell about that day? Where were you? We'll always remember that, right? There are certain days you're going to remember. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. We talked about this a little bit in the last hour, but, you know, for me, I, I get into it every year. And I'm I'm very curious, too, if you weren't there, if you're younger and you did not experience that day, how do you look at it today? It's a different world that you grew up in. I've been having these conversations with James, who's 14, and uh, he actually got to go to uh, New York. I mentioned that he had this eighth grade trip with the school. It was fantastic. They got to Washington, New York, Boston, Philadelphia, all these places. I think my eighth grade trip, we went to the La Brea Tar Pits. That was awesome. And uh, but he got really sick in New York, so he doesn't remember much about <laughs> about New York. In fact, uh, I texted him once, you know, how you doing? And he said, I'm I'm sitting on a random bench in New York throwing up. And I said, is there anyone with you or you're just sitting on some random bench in New York throwing up? What, you know, it was a little bit of alarming. Uh, no, somebody was with him. But he, so he doesn't remember much of it. But I ha- he and I sat down and we watched the movie United 93. Ever see that movie? It's... Uh, I think it's the most well-done movie on on September 11th. You should be prepared. It's uh, I think it's R-rated probably because of the subject matter. It obviously ends badly uh, in the sense of the plane goes down, and it's about the uh, the flight where the passengers uh, tried to take it over. And but the the movie itself actually covers the entire day of 9/11, and from the perspective of the FAA and the air traffic controllers, I find it to be uh, super good. Uh, you know, a really good way to sort of summarize that day in just a couple of hours. Uh, and I'm somebody who's gotten into everything. I have read all the transcripts of the FAA, of the military, all the stuff for that day. They've released all of it. You can read all of it. You can listen to most of it and actually hear what was going on, the chaos of that day, the the back and forth and all the things they were trying to accomplish. And the movie does a great, great job at pulling that all in. And kind of in a, a respectful way, um, telling you what's you know what's up, uh, what happened that day. So I watched that with James. You know, we've had some questions. I know we'll pro- he's had some questions about it. And at fourteen, you know, you kind of begin to understand the depth of that day. John, my youngest son, he's eleven. He had he had a nine eleven thing today at school. He had to go in uh, and uh, set up for it, help set up for it um, because he uh, he made the. Uh, <laughs> I had to get him there really early today. He had to go set up for that. I was going to say because he made the error of uh, running for student council, and now he has to work and get there early. Uh, it's not really an error. I'm so proud of him for doing that. But uh, <laughs> it's like, well, you, you're going to have to go. I don't want to go. Well, you're going to have to go. That's what you signed up for, and uh, proud of him for doing that. But, you know, I'm curious to talk with him tonight. You know, what did you learn about this? How do you deal with it at 11? You know, when you think about this, the – a lot of the people, when we left uh, Afghanistan a couple of years ago, and it went so badly, uh, and it did go badly, and we lost those uh, 13 service members, uh, the oldest of those service members that died that day was 31, 31 years old. Most of them had no memory of 9-11. Um, the 31-year-old might have remembered it as a kid, and he would have only been uh, eight or nine years old, though at that time. Uh, That's how long things 
went. And I'm, I am curious, if you're younger and you didn't experience that day, there is no where were you that day, you know, or maybe you've got kids and you've had to explain it. You know, how does that go? How do you explain that to your kids? I think it's important that we pass along the stories because we get complacent. We we had a caller in the last hour who was talking about how one of the things we learned that day is, oh, we can get hit here on the mainland of the United States. I remember growing up, it was always, you know, uh, we've never had a war on our soil. Um, actually, we did get shelled a couple of times. Did you know that by Japan? Uh, Santa Barbara has a memorial uh, somewhere near the freeway about where a submarine shelled the shore at one point. And uh, I think there's another one in Oregon somewhere. There's a couple of times where uh, they hit us, but nothing in a, I don't think anybody died. And it was uh, very, very minor. Obviously, there was um, Pearl Harbor that happened. But you know, I think there's a reality today that we're not maybe as safe as we think we are. We we thought we were safe because we had two big oceans uh, uh, on either side of us. Uh, but now with missiles and other stuff, you know, we live in a very dangerous world. And 9-11 reminds us of that. It reminded us of that today. Now I wonder with kids who grew up and they don't have a memory of that day, they don't have a memory of the, the unity, the unity that we had for a, a time. I hope that we can get that again without dealing with the tragedy. The unity we had politically, the unity we had, you know, people, they didn't, George W. Bush, you know, was elected under controversy with the Florida thing and the recount, and it was the closest election we've ever had, right? So we we had a lot of division. But just a few months later, he, for a time, became super popular. There's a, I think, maybe one of the greatest moments in the aftermath of 9-11 was George W. Bush at Yankee Stadium because they, you know, they canceled everything for a while. And the first game back at Yankee Stadium in New York after uh, the tri- the after September 11th, George W. Bush throws out the first pitch, and you know he goes out there on the mound, and that stadium is going crazy and chanting USA, 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 and he throws a strike. I mean, it's a, it's an incredible moment, you know, kind of for him and for everything. But that is at a that's an amazing bit of unity. Most of the people in those stands, they did not vote for him. Most of the people in that, those stands, they didn't vote for him in 2000, and they didn't vote for him in 2004 either. Uh, that's an incredible, incredible notion. You got a thought about this, uh, Jose? I got On George Bush's uh, first pitch, that's yeah. got to be the greatest first pitch in the history of first pitches. Straight it is. down the middle, strike with a USA chant in the background? Yeah, wearing a bulletproof vest even more epic. how do you throw it is it's the greatest first pitch ever and you watch that if you experienced it and i watched it live you cried and i think you know that kind of thing where and when you think about all those people chanting and cheering for him who didn't vote for him they didn't vote for that guy and they didn't vote for him the next time either but it is uh that's a piece of unity that uh we need back uh a place where we go, you know what, we have unity of purpose. I think that's where it is. You can disagree on how to get there. And I would say later on, you know, the the uh, way we went back, um, you know, the way we went to Iraq and some other things, you know, we have reasonable reasons why we're frustrated with all of that. And uh, George Bush lost a lot of that popularity during that part. Um, but, uh, oh, do we have that clip? Yeah, okay, go for it. Go for it. Wilbert says, uh, so this is the this is the pitch. For tonight's ceremonial first pitch. And please welcome the President of the United States. 
George Bush is on the mound and people are cheering. And he stands up right there on the mound at Yankee Stadium. And then he throws a perfect strike. Do you hear that? And, uh, you know, there's a funny story with that he talks about with Derek Jeter. Do you know the story, guys? Where Derek Jeter, uh, who was a shortstop, Hall of Famer shortstop for the Yankees at the time, that George Bush is downstairs in the Yankee Stadium, and he says he's feeling kind of loose, and he's just practicing a little toss, and he was going to go out to the mound and not stand on the mound, but stand in front of the grass like you kind of do for a first pitch and just toss it over there. And Derek Jeter says, you know what, Mr. President, you're in New York, and uh, if you don't throw it from the mound, they're going to boo you. And George Bush said, George Bush later said that that was the most nervous he ever became in his entire presidency, throwing out that pitch. And so he said, okay, I'll throw it from the mound. And then Jeter was leaving the room, and then Jeter puts his head back in, and he says, by the way, uh, don't bounce it because they'll boo you. This is New York. I think that's probably true. Anyway, it's a it's a great moment. That unity there, it mattered uh, for all of us at the time. And, you know, we became very divided after that. And I think a lot of the division that we have is is a lack of direction. You know, for for us today as and as believers, you know, what really is the direction? What what really brings unity? You know what it is? Honestly, it's the gospel. And we talked about the power of the cross, the power of the what's called the 9-11 cross and the beams that were together and how that really brought people to be able to focus and really serve people and the loving of each other, the arm in arm things that people did who had a lot of things that they we disagreed about. But for a time, um, we got together. Unity is something that happens when you are really facing, I think, the truth and in for those of us as believers, you know, we should be thinking a lot about the church today and how we can do more together as believers in unity and not just in our separate congregations everywhere, right? Imagine what we could do if we understood the unity of purpose that we have in the gospel. You know, imagine how many first pitches we'd be throwing out figuratively in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in our schools, and the power that we would have by pointing people to Christ and the salvation of the gospel and by serving each other and doing so. You know, what's the the scriptures tell us? How will they know us, right, uh, that we're followers of Jesus? Will they know us by, because we go to church, because we have a Bible on our desk? No, they know us by our love. And what we saw as a country is we loved each other for a brief time. And what we see throughout history is when Christians love each other and when we keep pursuing that love, uh, the gospel wins. That, by the way, is why you have crosses all over the place, including in the World Trade Center, including in places where the most horrific events have happened in history. You've got crosses sitting there today, and it's because the ultimate unity we have is in Jesus Christ. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's purpose and unity right there. All right, this is uh, Pastor Scott's show. We're talking about 9-11. We'll get to your stories. Uh, Brian, I see your call. We'll get to your other calls if you want to share your 9-11 story, uh, where you were, 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. 
taking some time to remember 9-11, September 11th on the uh, 22nd anniversary of that day. And we'll take just a couple more calls here, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Brian in Redondo Beach, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Uh, so I just wanted to touch on something that resonated with me uh, with uh, kind of the aftermath of 9-11 with yeah. uh, President, President Bush. Uh, he's standing in ground zero in the rubble, and he says, uh, I hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people that knock down these buildings will hear us all soon. Yeah. And I thought that was a time when our country really was united mm-hmm. in, a, in a place that— uh, you know, sometimes in today's society, it, it not always is. Um, but I will say this, and I think it's a testament to uh, there was a lot of evil done at that time. But I think, you know, as the scriptures say, good does triumph over evil. And, uh, you know, I think there's many variables along the way uh, in the aftermath of that. But I think, again, good does triumph over evil. And, um you know, I think that's where we need to stand, united as a country. Yeah, and you know, eventually that's true. That's why we want to focus on the cross, because that's where evil lost. You know, the The victory is won. I think it's, a, it's an interesting statement in uh, the Scriptures when uh, we're reminded, you know, oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? It's because death lost. You know, that ultimately evil has lost, but only through Christ, because honestly, if there's no Christ, then actually evil does win. Uh and uh, Brian, I appreciate your call on that, 888-528-2557. I don't know if you thought of it that way, but if there's no Christ, then evil kind of wins, you know. It's uh, tyranny eventually overtakes, and uh, that is uh, a serious thing. And when you look through history at the places where tyranny and evil is ultimately defeated, um, you find a cross. You find a place where people turn to Christ. And it is, it's a remarkable thing. You know, we've talked about the, the 9-11 cross and how that's in the museum and even people tried to get rid of it and it gave so much hope, but you've got crosses, you've got places around the world where they have suffered tremendous harm. And so often you, you find a cross in a place where evil used to occur, or you find uh, some kind of building or some kind of marker up uh, giving God the glory for different things. And, and you find, you're, it's surprising, you find it in, around the world, even in countries who have very little understanding or knowledge of the gospel. Somewhere there's a memorial where some evil was defeated. Um, and it is a memorial from either uh, a Christian missionary or just the gospel of Jesus Christ. 888-528-2557. John and Glendale, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. How are you doing today? I'm good. John, how are you? I'm doing good. Okay. Um, I just wanted to share my story about um, September 11th, where I was, and then I want your opinion about something, because I actually was in Yerevan, Armenia, when that happened. Mm. And, um, and, you know, I was in a foreign country. Yeah. Um, I was starting the um, Armenian Volunteer Corps. It was like the Peace Corps there. And I remember my roommate running um, inside my apartment in Yerevan, and he told me just he he just kind of yelled at me. He said, "Turn on the TV! Turn on the TV! Something has happened." And it was you know we of course you know we have a different time change. It was, right. it was I think around 5 p.m. at the time, and I I couldn't believe what I was seeing on TV. It already had happened, and they were just showing replays of it. And um, I I remember going out to the um, uh, city center of Yerevan, in in the center city, and, and there were people at the main hotel there, all outside, all watching the TV, glued at the TV, seeing what was happening. And um, 
The question I have for you is that um, after that happened, and I was still in Armenia, I was just beginning the, um, like the Peace Corps there, um, people were saying to me, and these were local Armenians, I'm from Armenian descent if you want to know, but, local, but the local Armenians were saying, you know, they, they, were, they were giving their sympathy and they were saying how much it was, tragedy it was, but, but they gave this big but. They were mm. saying that, well, it, it, it was bound to happen because they were saying that we, we really feel that America's foreign policy brought about this tragic thing that happened. Um, you, you know, it, 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 they just kept on going about back to this sure. American foreign policy issue. And it's kind of interesting when you're in a foreign country. I, I, I always hear this from, from people in foreign countries. They always say that, you know, we like America, but we don't like your foreign policy. And things I like that are going to happen because unless you guys change your foreign policy, I want your opinion about that. Yeah, I appreciate that call, uh, John. And, you know, it's, it, thank you for your perspective, by the way, from being in another country at the time. I think that's really interesting. You know, we, we should have known it was going to happen. They bombed the World Trade Center in 1993. Uh, we had really little reason to believe that international terrorism wouldn't be coming. With respect to the United States foreign policy, we haven't been perfect. I don't think we're in a good place now or have we been for a while and part of that is because we need to be a people who are about human rights across the board, and we need to be get back on that page better. And the answer is not always in bombing people. I mean, we we get different reporting based upon uh, what the political narrative of the day is, and there's a lot of left and right. But in the last uh, 20 years, we've bombed a lot of countries, uh, and a lot of people have died. It really had nothing to do with uh, 9-11. And you can't just keep going that way. There needs to be better policy. There needs to be um, a a better approach to things that's very truthful. And I think you get that by really exposing the human rights abuses that are around the world. At the same time, you know, what concerns me, I guess, about that question is the United States used to have a certain moral authority in the world, particularly after uh, World War II, um, you know, we were the moral authority in the world, and if we acted somewhere, even in war or or in a, a violent act or something like that, which you know, there's a there's a biblical prescription for governments having the right to bear the sword against people or governments. You know, there's an order that is there. The danger for us, I think, is if we lose the moral authority, meaning that um, moral authority is something that you have when your character and you uh, your your standing in the world, even if people disagree with you, uh, you have a right to do certain things. And, you know, that is something that I think has suffered, suffered because Iraq didn't turn out to have the weapons of mass destruction, at least not in the way that was presented. And the few different incidences that have occurred have hurt us. Plus, I think a lot of our politics has, has hurt us. It's a very complicated question, and I'm running out of time here. But at the end of the day, you know, I think that for our country, and maybe the way we'll end today is to think about how to pray for our country. We need to pray that we can have a certain moral authority in the world because the world has looked to us. They still look to us as the uh, the beacon of liberty, right? The reason that I was read this article about uh, the people who are coming into our country right now illegally, and they represent 168 countries. So it's 
people from all over the world, the number of Chinese people who have escaped China to come across the Pacific to wind up coming over our southern border is a large number of people. Why is that? You know, there's, there's not a bunch of Americans leaving the United States and sneaking into China. And there's not people from all these other countries sneaking into China or sneaking into Russia or, uh, you know, sneaking into most places. You've got a lot of immigration coming into Europe, um, which might be because it's in the same territory, land. You know, why are so many people coming here? We still offer a beacon of hope and liberty. I think that I think the problem for us is that we have forgotten where that liberty comes from, that we have forgotten that. With all the faults that we have, with the imperfections that we have, all of that, that what we learn and what our founders learned and what I think we as a people understood for a long time is that our liberties come from our creator, that everybody has certain inalienable rights. It's an interesting, interesting thing to study that the Statue of Liberty, we usually talk about it now as welcoming people in, and that's great, but it's faced in a such a way that we're really supposed to be spreading liberty out. That the condition for humans that's right, that you got to fight for because of the fallen world, is liberty. That we are made to be free. Ultimately, we're going to have that in Christ. We will be free. And you have that in Christ now if you're, if you're a Christian. But I think that the, the new heaven and new earth, the way people live, we're going to live in freedom. That's the direction. I would pray for our country this way going forward that we would be a country that really understands that freedom is something that comes from God that is something that we should be able to speak toward in in other nations. And we want freedom in the world. We used to be more about that. I'm afraid that we put ourselves down in the freedom we have, that we miss the reason that still exists of why so many people are coming to this country. Uh, There's a lot more to say about it, but I'm I'm about out of time. But that would be my prayer for our country. Let me pray real quick, uh, and then we got to be done. God, I just pray for our country as we remember uh, today and this day. And I pray for believers here, especially that we would be clear in our presentation of the gospel and the freedom that we have in Christ and how God wants to be with people and wants everybody to come to him. Lord, get us back on that page in Jesus name. Amen. All right, Pastor Scott Show. You can follow us on social media right now at Pastor Scott Show, Instagram, Twitter, X, and Facebook. And uh, you can get the podcast of our show. Just go to Pastor Scott Show and click subscribe. You can always watch us on KKLA.com. Everybody have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.